Hey everyone, welcome to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast that takes a deep dive into canine behavior, building up alone time comfort, and helping improve the welfare of our beloved canine companions. In this podcast, we will discuss real-life tactics for modifying behavior, real alone time case studies, and help guide you through the emotional process of behavior change. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take the next step in your alone time training. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast. On today's episode, we are going to dive deeper into the hows and whys surrounding the infamous regression and plateau, also including my four-step process for overcoming regressions when you find yourself stuck in the middle of one. This is a really big major topic that every family will encounter at one time or another when working through an alone time protocol, so it's definitely an episode that you're not going to want to miss. Before we do you know the drill i have some awesome listener questions to address and then we will carry right on with the main topic today all right so our first question today comes from tr tr asks why is giving a kong before leaving a bad idea tr this is a great question and i would honestly say uh, the answer is going to kind of depend on the circumstance first off if this is a dog that we're referring to that does not struggle when left alone by all means leave that mental enrichment i do not see an issue with that of course always check in with your veterinarian before adding something new into your daily routines but if your dog does not struggle when left alone feel free mental enrichment away. When it comes to most of the cases I take on, as well as my fellow CSATs, we are not just working with a dog that um, is, you know, having slight issues when left alone. Oftentimes we are working with underlying deeper rooted situations like separation anxiety, isolation distress, um, or just overall in general alone time discomfort. And when it comes down to it, the reason why myself and my fellow CSATs do not recommend giving a Kong is that we have seen, or any mental enrichment rather, um, we have seen that providing enrichment like this before leaving can oftentimes just act as a distractor and we're not really able to see that true underlying emotional response that dog is experiencing in that moment because of the band-aid or the high value reinforcer that was given Um, this was a very common recommendation back in the day people used to say you know pair your absence with something awesome your dog will start to love your absence because they know that they're about to get whatever special goodie in the context of a dog that does not have underlying trauma or negative emotional response, that might be helpful. However, with the cases that I take on, we're dealing with something much deeper rooted. And not only do we A, want to be able to see what that dog is experiencing, but B, we want to make sure we're going at a, the right pace and not just uh, you know, masking the underlying symptoms. So this is why I do not recommend providing any um, high value enrichment item, at least in the beginning. This is something that we can work towards adding in later, but not something in the beginning that I would recommend. So hopefully that helps answer your question. The next question comes from Instagram follower Team Coda. They, uh, their question is, let's see, uh, do do Oh, so they have a couch that's very close to the front door, and their pup will stay there staring at the door until they come home. Uh, Team Coda is just asking, is this good or is it bad? And I would say, Team Coda, this is another it depends answer. Well, honestly, most of my answers are going to be it depends. Um, but when it comes down to it, my first question would be, does that dog have a history of separation anxiety, isolation, distress, or alone time problem behaviors? If the answer is yes, we can look at it one way. If the answer is no, I would probably argue that looking at the door when gone without any other observable stressors or history with stress when left alone is probably not the end of the world. Um, 
when it comes down to it, for a dog that does struggle with alone time, again, the answer is going to be it depends. I would say I have had many cases in which laying down staring at the door from a distance or even nearby the door is not an issue um, once you dive into training with some dogs because they are able to you know remain fully settled they're sprawled their heads down etc there's no other observable signs of stress however in the beginning of a protocol a lot of dogs i would try to work below whatever their initial stressor is um if a dog's laying back down comfortable that's a little bit of a stretch for me but if they were to get up and lay down right at the front door for example i might um, lower my criteria a little bit more and see if I can get that pup a little bit more comfortable away from said exit point before proceeding. Um, but again, this is a very big it depends answer because it's going to relate to what is that dog's body language? What are other potential stressors we're seeing? Um, what, is, what are the other variables that are coming into play um, with that specific departure, etc.? But generally speaking, no, staring at the door is not a deal breaker for me. We do need to remember you guys that these dogs are, you know, social species. They were bred to live, well, generally speaking, again, they were bred to live amongst us. And a lot of them, when left alone, they're almost playing the waiting game. Like they're just wanting us, our owner, or whoever it is to return back. Not that all of these dogs experience fear, anxiety, or stress, obviously not, but there is likely a chance that they're just kind of wait until you come back. We are probably for most of these situations, one of the most reinforcing things in our pup's life. So that is normal. Um, hopefully that helps answer your question. Uh, please feel free to reach out via Instagram and we can chat about this in more detail or even book a complimentary consultation to you know, pick apart some of those specific because it's a real big it depends when it comes to that um, all right let's see the next question is from Serena L so Serena L let's see she says she is working to be able to leave her dog alone but is having a hard time with picking up her keys um, Serena wants to know would it be cheating <laughs> would it be cheating to keep her keys in her pocket in advance um, Serena long story short no okay what I always tell clients whether they're working with me intensively or they're a part of my home alone academy this training process is completely customizable to you your needs and your schedule uh, you know experience level etc when it comes down to it do we need to desensitize keys for them to eventually down the line be comfortable for you to pick up when you're when you're about to leave and have your dog not show a sign of or increase of fear anxiety or stress yes however i would say i have had a handful of cases in which we needed to get our duration asap and those specific families were fine with what i call managing pre-departure cues and in those situations again this is going to be very different uh, like context for every family and their environmental setup but some of these families will you know do things like have their shoes on in advance every time before they leave maybe they'll have their jacket on in advance every time they leave or their pocket or their keys in their pocket every time before they leave that way when they start the training process they're just looking at those you know those duration increases and building up comfort with that aspect and not having to work in um, adding in their keys their shoes their jackets their wallets you know you name it uh, every every family has a different pre-departure cue set up um, but yes yeah, so it's kind of a yes and no answer. Is there anything wrong with it? Is it cheating? Absolutely not. As long as you are cognizant of the fact that we are not actually training and desensitizing to said PDQ that you're managing. Um, and again, if you wanted to, you could definitely put in that time and effort and work towards adding in your keys. Um, but again, every time we add something new that does 
tend to take a little bit extra time for each of those pre-departure cues to become desensitized. So hopefully that helps, but do not beat yourself up. If you are comfortable for now until the foreseeable future or whenever you want to approach the key desensitization, just using your pocket or a purse, by all means, you do you, whatever gets you to your goals faster and stays you glue and stay, keeps you um, tied into training longer. That's what's going to help your pup in the long run. So I fully support that adjustment. Alrighty, and the last question today comes from Amy W. So Amy has a great question. Um, Amy reached out and she was essentially told to increase her criteria every time her dog did okay on a session. Um, but then after finding my Instagram was a little bit confused because I very clearly do not recommend that process. And she just wanted more insight into, you know, what should she do? So Amy, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate you just taking the time and effort to kind of you know, expand your understanding and kind of educate yourself on some of the other approaches and what might be the best option for you and your pup. And when it comes down to it, the reason why I am so adamant around not just steady, steadily increasing our durations or criteria uh, session to session, even if our dog does quote unquote okay, is that that is not sustainable. Long story short, it is not going to be sustainable to have that many creases, increases when you're working to change an underlying emotional response. I will say, most of the cases I've taken on that have tried this approach in the past, they're doing good month one, they're doing good month two, and somewhere between month two and month four, um, generally speaking, they are experiencing big regressions um, in which they are having a really challenging time getting out of these situations. And after Diving deeper into a lot of these case studies and looking at their data, I realized, oh, there's a common denominator. They're increasing every time their dog does average to okay or good. And when it comes down to it, you guys, if we are showing our dogs that every single time they do okay, or even when they do great, we're always going to make it harder. That is going to lead to, I mean, potentially multiple different situations. But the big one that I see is burnout, as well as just uh, kind of throwing in the towel and just for totally giving up on the comfort aspect of alone time because they know that every single time you do a session it's going to get harder and harder and harder so you might be thinking okay but when my dog does bad I decrease criteria good I'm glad you should always, always, always decrease criteria when your dog is doing poorly. However, I would argue that adding in easy wins and not making a pattern, not making any patterns in general, but that'll be a whole nother podcast uh, coming your way, uh, but not making the pattern of always increasing is going to be the best possible way to create long lasting behavior change. We are not in this for six months. We are in this for the rest of our dog's lives. If you want something that's going to stick with them and they're going to have a super strong solid foundation for the many years to come we have got to make sure that we're not just continually increasing you guys they will give up there is potential for sensitization and any of my clients that I've worked with um, and have now overcome their issues they will say that it was one of the hardest things in their alone time journey to go from a steady increase into that slam down regression and then realizing and coming to the realization that they had to potentially start back at square one and work to deconstruct everything that that dog had already learned. So it takes a lot of time, energy, money, emotions to restart like that. So let's just get you heading down the right path from the get go. Do not do the steady duration increases.
Okay, you guys, I could have gone on a tangent there. <laughs> I will digress. Um, it is now time to jump onto the juicy stuff. Not that that wasn't already juicy, but regressions and plateaus. That's why we're here. Let's do this. So first off, let's get on the same page. What is a regression? What is a plateau? Um, regression, when I'm working on an alone time case, I commonly refer to a regression as a temporary dip in comfort that requires training modification to overcome. Okay, I'll tell you to kind of help get a, get your mind wrapped around that. I'll tell you what it's not. A regression is not a few quote unquote off sessions in a row. Um, that does not mean that your pup is experiencing regression. I commonly would not consider a case to really be truly in a regression until we have had a similar decrease in comfort for one to two or more weeks. Um, of course, during that one to two weeks, we are being proactive and adjusting our criteria, bumping up our data tracking, etc. But it is important to know that one off week per se is not a signal of regression. Okay, think of, think about us humans. We have bad days. We have bad days all the time. Some of us. Uh, we have bad weeks, etc. So this is a normal, very normal part of life. Um, a couple of bad sessions in a row does not mean regression. So let's reframe the way you think about it um, first and foremost. When it comes to plateaus, so to me, a plateau is hitting a certain duration or criteria and then having a hard time breaking through to the other side with comfort. These circumstances, honestly, in my experience, often just need a lot more patience and consistency to get past that roadblock. So I'm going to spend most of the rest of our episode kind of focusing on the infamous regression, um, just because I, I know that that's going to be a little bit harder and trickier for you. But if you do find yourself in a plateau, understand that just like regressions, these are very normal. There are certain things that are going to be more challenging than others for your dog to overcome. For example, plateaus can sometimes happen at a certain timestamp. I've had a lot of dogs, um, and this is a random number, not every dog is going to deal with this, but I've had some dogs around that 30 second or around that two minute mark of duration. They just have a really, really, really hard time breaking through to the other side. All we do in those circumstances is just hang tight, provide those easy wins, linger around that, whatever that duration is that your pup is having an issue with, and with patience and consistency in my experience, they will get through to the other side of a plateau. Um, another reason for a plateau could be potentially a new pre-departure cue that's added in that maybe has a little bit more um, emotional baggage than some of the others. For example, um, a lot of those really salient pre-departure cues, so things like, uh, locking the door or opening up the garage door, those can, generally speaking, uh, take a little bit longer to add in, not for every dog, but for some dogs, just because they are so uh, salient, right? They're just loud. They, they just You can hear them or you can feel them throughout the house if you have an attached garage, etc. So in those circumstances, just understand that every single one of us humans, just like every single one of us dogs, has different feelings towards different things in our day-to-day. -day. Some things might be super easy for us. Other things might be harder, whereas for another dog, what's hard for one dog is probably going to be a lot easier and vice versa. So regardless of whether it's duration or distance away or that second door in your hall that you're having issue with, or even um, things like adding in a certain pre-departure cue, these plateaus around these specific instances are very, very, very normal. Take a breath, just be patient, be consistent, give some easy wins, and just be persistent um, with easy to around that to wherever your pup is lingering and they can, they can get through, okay? 
So bouncing back to regressions. So why might a regression happen? A regression, a regression happen? Um, in my experience, and uh, I've been doing this for quite some time now. This is what I live and breathe. I would say a lot of the regressions that I see. Well, let's go back to Amy's question in the very beginning. Too many increases in duration in a consistent manner uh, that can absolutely lead to a regression. Um, other things that we might need to take into consideration is that maybe we need to slow down with our pre-departure cues. Um, keep in mind, you guys, that just generally speaking, I only add in one pre-departure cue at a time until that pre-departure cue is solid before I change the circumstances, change the setup, and add a new one in. We can't layer on top of things if we don't know for sure that our dog is neutral or comfortable with a certain setup. So only add in one at a time. That's something that I see happen all the time. Um, another thing to be considerate of is underlying medical concerns. Sometimes a regression might have nothing to do with what you're doing training-wise. It could literally be something that your dog is experiencing internally that is leading to potential agitation, uh, discomfort, pain, etc. And that could be leading to a decrease in comfort in general, which is just showing itself in um, alone time, right? So things, medical concerns to be aware of are um, things like, you know, seasonal allergies, food allergies, GI upsets. I mean, you, you name it. I've had all sorts of other reasons why um, a pup might be all of a sudden experiencing a regression and just be cognizant of what's going on and check in with your vet. Um, other things that can lead to regressions are outside stressors kind of taking over and doing what we call trigger stacking. So if you guys go back and watch or listen to my prior episodes, I talk about this a little bit in each of them, but trigger stacking is basically the concept of having one stressor piled on top of another stressor, piled on top of another stressor, etc. This doesn't mean this all ha happens at the same time. The trigger stacking can happen over um, an hour, it can happen over a day, it can happen over a week, etc. So it's not just immediate stressors that could be trigger stacking, it's the big picture. So we, this is why one of the big things that I recommend for clients is um, keeping a log of like what our dogs find stressful because outside stress can absolutely trickle on down into alone time comfort. Another thing that I see happen pretty consistently, uh, well, no pun intended, but pretty consistently is that training is not consistent. So what that means is somebody is either training way too much or too often, or maybe taking too many breaks or just being very relaxed about it and their dog just not able to keep up the momentum with behavior change because it almost feels like every time they dive back into a session with a lapse in training, it's like starting back at square one, right? So um, that is another reason why I uh, see regressions sometimes happen. I will also say one thing that just came to mind, you guys, what I have also found is that a lot of regressions, if not underlying medical concerns or like bigger picture situations, a lot of regressions can be due to a dog that was in experiencing a plateau in which the trainer or the owner continued to push beyond that plateau. If the trainer or owner continues to push beyond the plateau, that can absolutely cause a regression. Remember, the reason why our dogs are experiencing the plateau is because they're not comfortable. So pushing a dog that's not comfortable, they can absolutely experience a regression after that. So keep in mind, plateau could be the precursor to a regression in some cases, okay? Okay.
And you know what? Honestly, if you are not sure what might be causing the regression, it's time to data track, you guys. Um, if you're not already, I highly encourage every single one of you to be data tracking. Um, just to give you a little bit of like a, a nutshell, so some of the common variables to track include things like um, medication, if your pup is on medication, um, not even just what medication they're using, but what time you're giving them the medication, is it around food, um, what is their dosage, what is their weight, etc. just keeping on, on top of all all of that. Um, keep track of what time of day you're doing your sessions. Maybe every time you do a session in the evening, it's harder compared to afternoon or morning, etc. Um, also keep track of who is doing the session. If you have a multi-person household, it's very important to see who's doing the session because you may think that something's a regression, but it could honestly just be that um, person one has only done 10% of the sessions where person two has done 90. So person 10 jumping in and trying to stick at the same criteria as person two is likely going to have a very different response and that could be confused for a regression okay so be mindful of who's doing the session um, be mindful of environmental triggers during alone time and this can include things like I mean, you name it, neighbors uh, coming and going, construction, uh, things like storms, etc. like any noise sensitivities. And I will say I'm not going to dive too deep into data tracking because I do discuss this in much more detail on a prior podcast with a colleague of mine. Uh, many of you already know her, Jackie Johnson over at Believe in Your Dog. So be sure to go check out that podcast for a deeper dive into data tracking um, if you just want a little bit more information or if you're not doing data tracking and you want to know how to start. Um, I'll be sure to leave a link in the show notes below too, you guys. So now you're probably wondering, okay, Allie, what do we do if we find ourselves in a regression during training? Before I even dive into the four-step process that I recommend to all of my students and clients, I want to note, you guys, that a sudden or fast shift in behavior is not normal. Um, regressions and plateaus are normal, but a random, sudden, fast shift to behavior is not. So the first and foremost thing that I would recommend before you even take on the four-step process is to check in with your veterinarian before attempting any additional interventions, okay? If your dog is suddenly or doing okay one day and just all of a sudden, bam, smack, no, not okay. That's not normal. Um, so definitely check in with your vet and just make sure that everything else in the world of your pup is okay. Um, all right, you guys, so you've already checked in with the vet. There are no underlying concerns. And in that case, let's start the four step process. So step one, stay calm, okay? Take a breath. Remember, behavior change is not linear, regardless of the species that you're working with. And regressions are a completely normal part of the process, okay? Let's say that again, stay calm, all right, you guys? Once you've done step one, you're staying calm, you're taking a breath, and you're just noting the fact that whatever you're experiencing and whatever your dog is experiencing is completely normal, you're ready for step two. Step two, a lot of people don't like to listen to this one, but take a break. If you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed with the training process, take a few days or even a week off of training. Put it this way, you're feeling a little bit stressed, potentially defeated. Your pup is clearly not comfortable, hence the regression. So you need it, your pup needs it. Hereby, you are granted permission, okay? Take that break, my friend. Um, if you don't wanna take a break, no worries, just skip to step three, okay? Step three. 
forget your expectations. So you were hoping for comfort during a, let's say, certain duration or criteria increase. Well, it didn't happen. What does that mean? Your pup is simply not ready for it, okay? Even if you have hit a similar duration or criteria increase in the past, it does not necessarily mean that your pup is ready and able this exact day, this exact hour, this week, or even this month. Once you have accepted that component, you're ready to move on to step four, okay? So grab those expectations, throw them out the window. They are not helpful. They will not get you through to the other side at this point in time. Step four, lower your criteria, okay? We can only go as fast as our pups are able. So if your pup is experiencing an increase in fear, anxiety, or stress during training, it is completely up to us to decrease our criteria to help them to maintain comfort. For those of you that are working on alone time, our whole goal is to shift what was once a panic, fear, stress, anxiety response into a neutral or comfortable response. If you're lacking comfort at one point in time, there is is no help in continuing to push beyond, okay? Um, that your pup is not in a healthy mindset to continue on and build up and learn further, like increases in criteria. They're not ready for that. They either need to stick where they are or more importantly, lower your criteria and help them gradually build back up, okay? So now we've covered the four steps and you're probably wondering, okay, well, is there anything we can do to avoid regressions and plateaus? Sadly, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Ultimately, no. Why? Because again, you guys, behavior is not linear regardless of the species that we are working with. However, there are many steps we can do to help us minimize the likelihood uh, that a regression or plateau might occur, as well as help dampen the blow of the infamous regression um, and make it potentially less intense for you and your pup to overcome. So when it comes down to it, some of the things we can do, um, going back to the beginning, I mentioned that one of the very common precursors to a regression is too many increases in criteria. So what does that mean? What we can do is go at our dog's pace. We don't always need to increase every single time they do decent to okay or neutral. It's all about the easy wins. If you don't know what that means, go back to uh, one of my prior podcasts where I talk about the trust account and us just building up a nice, strong, solid foundation for the many years to come. I promise you guys, easier wins are going to do more for you in the long run than that one time that you increase slightly longer than the prior session, okay? I know it seems counterintuitive, but we do not always need to be increasing, whether that is adding PDQs in or whether that is increasing our duration. Go slower and you're more likely to have long lasting results, okay? Second off, slow down with your pre-departure cues, okay? As I mentioned briefly in the beginning, we should not be adding in additional criteria in any circumstance if we're not 100% certain or 90, 95%, I should say, we're never 100% certain about anything. Uh, but if we're not fairly confident that our dog is comfortable or neutral with the current criteria, we have no place increasing it at that point in time. So when I'm working with pre-departure cues, it's slow, but it works for the long haul. That's why a a lot of my clients that uh, like have reached out and shown their success stories, they're at four or five multiple hours of alone time and it's months, even years later after we've worked together. And that's because we did not rush things, especially the pre-departure cues. So what does that mean? Focus on one, put your pre-departure cues in the order of importance for you or in the in order of necessity for you. Start with the top one, add that in until your pup doesn't have, you know, those stressors that they were exhibiting before. Work on that once you get to not having 
training stressors, don't just jump immediately into the next pre-departure queue. Do another one to two sessions just to make sure and then jump into the next PDQ, okay? Um, another thing to keep in mind is that we should always be working hand in hand with our veterinarians to ensure that we are minimizing the likelihood of regressions and plateaus. It's not just going to be a matter of keeping an eye on training criteria. It's also going to be a matter of keeping an eye on our dog's overall mental and, uh, and mental well-being as well as health. So sticking with your veterinarian, having regular visits, especially for our pups that have high levels of anxiety, is absolutely a critical component to avoiding regressions and plateaus as much as possible, okay? And if you find yourself in one, again, first thing we always want to do is reach out to that vet before we make any adjustments to anything, okay? Um, another thing that we can do is as I mentioned, trigger stacking is a very real thing. We really need to make sure that we are reducing stress as much as possible in the day-to-day -day for our pups so that we can maximize comfort. As you've heard me say time and time again, stress does not live in a bubble. Stress that seems seemingly unrelated to alone time can absolutely trickle on down. Yes, you heard me. That means the leash reactivity episode your dog had two days prior might impact their comfort on that day's training session. The um, friend or neighbor that came over last night that your dog, dog uh, barked and lunged at, that level of increased stress could absolutely trickle on down to alone time. These are things we need to remember. It's not just a bubble of alone time and your homework assignment and getting five gold stars. It's a matter of improving welfare overall and decreasing stress levels in as many areas of our life as we possibly can, okay? Um, go back to, I think it was a prior episode to this one, I talk a lot more about how we can just help improve over, actually it was, it was episode nine, um, how we can improve overall welfare. So go check that one out. Um, and the other thing, one of the issues that leads to regressions and plateaus is inconsistency. So let's be consistent. What does that mean? It means you only need to train one time a day. Um, down the line, well down the line, when you're at like Harvard level working with your dog with alone time, maybe you start working on double absences. But in the beginning, we only need to be training once a day. Less is more when it comes to training you guys. So don't train more than one day. It's not going to get you to your goals faster. That having been said, an average uh, training week for a client of mine might be something along the lines of four to five days a week, maybe sometimes three to four days a week, um, only training once a day, and of course, most importantly, going at our dog's pace. All right, you guys, that was a long one. Thank you for all of uh, all of you that stayed and hung out till the end. It was a lot of juicy information. I also wanted to take a second to thank each and every one of you that has been listening to this podcast. I know that I had a little bit of a lapse of, um, you know, episode creation and there was just a lot going on in my life. And I am a big proponent of telling all of my clients and students to take breaks. I just needed a break. So I appreciate all of you for jumping back in full force, following, sub subscribing, asking me all the questions. Um, if today's episode brought up any questions, as always, you can send me an Instagram uh, DM and that's at Home Alone Academy. And I'd be more than happy to either get you on the books for consultation or answer the question on an upcoming podcast. Speaking of upcoming podcasts, spoiler alert, as I was recording today's episode, I mentioned patterns and why we need to avoid them very briefly and then it got me to thinking I have got a lot to say about patterns my friends and why we should avoid them during training um, during alone time training specifically I should mention uh, so be sure to stay tuned next week and I am looking forward to reading all of your questions after today's episode thanks everybody
Did today's episode leave you with any lingering questions? I would be more than happy to address them on my next podcast. Please send me any questions or comments pertaining to this episode via Instagram at Home Alone Academy and or on Twitter at Training with Allie. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you. All links and information discussed on this podcast can be found in the show notes below. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any individual case. Please consult your veterinarian before adding to or modifying your pet's current treatment plan.